today, day one at Alberta Beef Industry Conference and how to master emceeing. Welcome back to another episode of The Bovine with thanks to our partners at Alberta Beef Industry Conference and Zimpro Performance Minerals. Zimpro Minerals help animals achieve stronger nutritional status, enhancing growth while benefiting both producers and consumers. I'm Deborah Murphy and I'm so chuffed to be here with the one and only Danny Hooper. Hello, Danny. Deborah, good morning. How are you? I'm really good. Good. We're sitting here at the beautiful Banff Springs Hotel right now. It's about 8 o'clock in the morning when we're recording this and, and there was a time in my career when I started out as a country music singer. There was a time when I didn't even, even know it was light out this early. Okay. Huh? But uh, just beautiful here. Well, you didn't say no to an 8 a.m. podcast. So we all know because we're here to MC. This is probably about the 15th time I've been here uh, emceeing the Alberta Beef Industry Conference. And it, it truly is one of the uh, events that I really, really look forward to each year. It's just a chance to get uh, uh, back with this community, the uh, the ag community and the, uh, the beef producers and see a bunch of old friends and people that I've been entertaining as a country musician uh, since back in 1975 when I got started. So we just know so many of these families and just nice to see them. But you're a little rusty. A little rusty on the music side? Well, probably. <laughs> well, I meant I, on the scene side. We were oh, talking about it earlier. Oh, yeah. Well, a little rusty. Yesterday was my first day back at work and talk about getting thrown into the fire. Uh, the first thing I had to do when I got back yesterday was MC hockey legend Mark Messier. I know. Now, I wanted to talk to you about that because I have two <laughs> books out from the library on Mark Messier including his book yeah and there they were in my hotel room and I just had a lot of anger and resentment towards you <laughs> why because I got to interview <laughs> yes. well yeah and you know I've done so many different things in my career uh, you know today what keeps me busiest is the fundraising auctioneering I've been doing that actually started that back in 1987 and that's now become my primary business uh, but a lot of MC work corporate MC work and of course I do Big Valley Jamboree uh, every year this will be my 28th year emceeing Big Valley Valley Jamboree. So at the end of last summer, I had had the honor of uh, introducing, I think it's 486 acts on the main stage at Big Valley. I didn't even know there was that many people in country music, but that's been quite a quite an honor. And so I do a lot of emceeing, a lot of auctioneering, not as much music anymore. And um, of course, we've just come off our winter break. We're kind of snowbirding a little bit now. My wife, Barb, hates cold weather. Uh-oh. So we spent uh, January in uh, in the Baja in Mexico down in La Paz. And uh, then we went over to Costa Rica for a few weeks and just got back the day before yesterday. So yesterday was my first day back at work since I think the last event I did was early December, and here I got to interview Mark Messier, and I've never done a lot of interviewing, so I, I don't know, but thank God he's such a good talker, and yeah. So how did it go? How was it? I thought he was amazing. He is just the nicest guy. I've known Mark for many years. Uh, back in 1980, I think it's about 80 when he was drafted into the Oilers, and of course the Oilers were just uh, uh, the, a new franchise in the NHL. Uh, my dad and I at that time had a country music nightclub in Edmonton that we opened in late 1979. And the club was called Danny Hooper's Stockyard, and it was a really popular place. Uh, right about that time, a movie called The Urban Cowboy came out, and we were the only country steakhouse showroom in Edmonton at the time, and so it very quickly became a very, very popular place. And all of the Edmonton Oilers used to roll in there after the games because it, ours is kind of the popular spot. We had people like Merle Haggard played there, Tammy Wynette, Ray Price, Farron Young, Gene Watson, Ferlin Husky, 
Freddie Fender. So on any night you'd come into the stockyard, you wouldn't know who might be up on stage entertaining, and you never knew who was in the crowd. And on a lot of nights, on hockey nights, it was a lot of the Oilers. So that's where I first met Mark, and uh, over the years I've had the honor of uh, working with him from time to time and doing a few little things and seeing him at different events. Awesome. His book talks a lot about sort of his uh, his move from um, the Oilers to the New York. Uh, is it New York? New York, yeah. New York Rangers yep. and yep. how he led them out of their huge drought. Well, yeah, they'd been, what, 52 years without a Stanley yeah. Cup, I think. He got in there and took him a couple of years to yep. kind of get the team <clears throat> all marching in the same direction and get that culture uh, developed up to, to, to bring that Euler success culture and transfer that. He said that wasn't an easy thing to do. You don't just walk into the locker room in New York and say, well, this is how Wayne and I did it back in Edmonton. That strategy didn't work, and it took him a couple of years to get everybody walking and marching in the same direction, and eventually they won the Cup. So, yeah, he won six Cups in his career, five with the Edmonton Oilers, and just a champion mentality, and still keeps himself in great shape. He's, what, 62 years old, and looks like he could strap up and get back on the ice, you know, today and, and play. Amazing. Did yeah. he have a lot of leadership tips and uh, strategies? <laughs> well, he really audience? did, and his book is called No One Wins Alone. It is an excellent read. Um, I the the pleasure of having lunch with him yesterday just to kind of you know do a pre-interview with him and kind of discuss what what he wanted to talk about and very clearly uh, he he made it clear to me he said I didn't want to write another hockey book there's lots of hockey books so he said I wanted to write a leadership book and uh, that's very much where the the book is focused so if you're any kind of a business owner um, it's it's a great read it's an easy read full of stories and of course a lot of hockey anecdotes and when he got on stage he probably talked way more about hockey that he did leadership, but there was still a lot of nuggets in, in the presentation yesterday. So, But a great book. That's amazing. And you yeah. also had the opportunity to, were you moderating the fireside chat? I was. That was good. And that was with um, former BC Premier Christy Clark, former Saskatchewan Premier uh, Brad Walls, and of course uh, Doug Black, the senator, who I thought was just amazing. He, he was uh, voted one of the top 25 lawyers in Canada back when he was practicing. And uh, he was a senator for nine years. What a brilliant brilliant guy he is, and he moderated that panel, but they were talking about the future of uh, Western Canada, and uh, it's not good. Oh, okay. That, no. Okay, so we should just skip Move to Toronto, about, which oh. probably all... Yes, well, probably... No, <laughs> no, I'm not sure I want to no, learn more about that panel. That, <laughs> no. It was... You know, what they spoke about, <clears throat> and of course, I'm just joking, but... Uh, uh, I'm probably safe in saying we in Western Canada don't have a lot of love or any love for the, the current federal government. And uh, they just talked a lot. The panel, it was really illustrative how divisive it is right now and how, you know, how Ottawa and Justin Trudeau really feel about the West. And there's just, as we know, there's no love there. And uh, so all kinds of things were discussed. We even had questions come up uh, from the audience about uh, possible separation from the Confederation and all kinds of, all kinds of ideas bouncing around. But uh, I, I think at the end of the day, the discussion landed that uh, we need a new federal government. And, and that's, that's about the only thing that's going to change for us. And, and hopefully some, some uh, pending Supreme Court decisions dealing with the Canadian Constitution and powers that rightfully belong here in the West that maybe aren't being recognized by the federal government. So. And, and did the panel, do they think that's coming, a change? Oh yeah, they think it's coming. It's, we just need to be patient and we need to keep fighting the good fight.
Mm-hmm. You know, we just can't can't be giving up. But uh, uh, they talked about the political situation in each of the three western provinces. Well, the three that were represented yesterday, uh, with uh, Senator Doug Black talking, speaking on behalf of Alberta. Uh, they talked about the economies, and across the board, economies are certainly rebounding and doing very well. Uh, the future looks bright. Uh, Saskatchewan, in particular, they've got major, major capital projects going on there right now with uh, uranium mining and potash development and uh, British Columbia. They're still struggling, you know, with their government out there that is really kind of, they, they, they don't have, uh, Christy Clark said, one of the problems we have in BC is that we just don't have those major long-term capital projects being developed right now to exploit our resources, which, you know, a lot the, the primary, like uh, forestry, a renewable resource, but the current government doesn't want to see any, you know, any kind of new development. So in Alberta, of course, our oil industry and oil and gas are rebounding and, and that, and agriculture looks strong. And Yeah, so. it sounds like the provincial government is trying to bring investment into agri-food processing yes, they opportunities. Are. Right? Yeah, the Premier got up and spoke. Uh, Daniel Smith got up and smoke, uh, spoke uh, yesterday afternoon. So just a ton of information yesterday, and she is very pro-agriculture. She's very pro-beef. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she made it very clear she's not a vegetarian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, we've talked about a few different things that you've done in the last day. We talked about your moderating. MCing is um, obviously a skill of yours. You've done it forever. Forever. Right? That's... Um, yeah, I've started my career professionally back in 1975. I was a finalist in CFCW Radio's first ever country star search held at Klondike Days uh, in Bonanza Park on Bonanza Stage in between the Kubasaw eating contest and the log sawing competition. So I, I didn't win. I was second place, but uh, that was good enough. The prize was a recording contract. So that's where my career got started. And the MC skills just uh, came from working on stage every night in every little small town bar in Alberta. You know, there were never many busy nights on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so you were just entertaining to crickets and, and trying to keep the waitress and the bartender entertained and keep the band entertained. So that's kind of where I, I started to learn to entertain and, and, well, not entertain, but to MC And to and bring so your sense of humor to bring the, the stage? So you have to have a sense of humor to do what I did. Back in those days, I was out on the road between 1976 and 1979. Um, I was on the road an average of 48 to 49 weeks a year. Uh, and you remember, well, you, Deborah, you're young, you might not remember, but back in the day, every small town had a hotel that had live entertainment. So we would go on the road. I would leave um, the, the ranch in Tomahawk, uh, where I grew up, and I'd uh, go to the, on the road. We'd play Vermilion for a week, Provost for a week, Lloyd Minster for a week, Meadow Lake, Prince Albert, North Battleford, Saskatoon, Regina, Swift Kern, Tabor, Brooks, Lethbridge, Fort McLeod, Calgary, and get back to Edmonton. Well, I'd, Do you have a song about that? So those were a week long in each place. So I'd be on the road on that swing for four months, three or four months, get back to the ranch, and then I'd head up and do the northern swing, up through Whitecourt, Fox Creek, all of that, and go Valley View, Peace River, and then down through the interior beast. That'd be another four months, and we just did that steady for three years, and that's why, you know, I finally said to my dad, I said, I, I can't keep doing this, and, you know, let's open a nightclub in Edmonton, and that's when we opened Danny Hooper Stockyard in late 1979. And then did you keep your gig up emceeing there as well? Oh, yeah. we were, I was the house band there. My band and I were the house band, so, we, you know, we played there. There was one stretch I did 62 nights in a row you know we had we performed there seven nights a week we were open seven nights a week so that's where I cut my teeth as an entertainer and they say once you hit 10,000 hours doing anything you achieve a certain level of mastery uh, in it and I've certainly got way more than 10,000 hours behind a microphone 
Not all of us do, though, and that's why <laughs> you I, will eventually. That's why I want to ask you about it. Is we we see chairs and um, MCs that you know are new to the gig, are new to kind of organizing a meeting or whatever event it is. What are some of your key learnings for? For us rookies out there, uh, for the rookies, I think well, you know, humor is just a big one, and that's that's the primary tool that I use. You know, I've got that gift, and I think God gives everybody different gifts and talents. And I, I, I grew up in a in a very funny home. You know, my dad was a. I, I, if I said a, a heavy drinker, that would be putting it mildly, but so it was kind of a chaotic home, and so there's just lots of humor in there as well. And my mom was the funniest person I knew. Dad was funny, my sister, my brother. We just, the family had a good sense of humor because I think, you know, we all have different coping skills mm-hmm. that you develop when you're in a family that's in a kind of that kind of a situation. And humor is one of the things that got us through. So that's what I rely on when I'm emceeing. And uh, I think, you know, my tips would be just, you got to know your audience, just relax. Uh, uh, don't script yourself. You know, if you're an MC, uh, you're best to work just with bullet points. Uh, that's, you know, it's nobody likes to watch somebody stand up at the front of a room or at a podium and just read a, a, a long verbose script. That gets boring pretty quick. So uh, make yourself some bullet points and know your audience and I don't know, and just breathe. You know, I, I still do that before I get on stage. I still go through the breathing exercises and, and uh, just kind of relax myself and, and get centered and Hit the, hit the stage and away I go. I've watched you for a few years, and I think another thing that uh, that you do is you prioritize time management. You need to. You know, and if you're working in a, at an event like this, the Beef Industry Conference or any type of a conference, it's important that you start on time and you end on time. And what happens, in, it's the same in... You know, a comedian, so you've got to have a strong opening, you have to have a strong closing, what happens in the middle doesn't really matter. A country music song has to have a strong start and a strong finish. What happens in the middle isn't quite as important, but when you're emceeing, it's the same thing. Have a good opening, get everybody's attention, watch the clock, and don't be afraid to, you know, when people are running along in the speech, just to, you know, I've had to take control of situations and just walk up sometimes when somebody won't stop speaking when they've been given five minutes to talk and they're going on and on and you just have to stand up and give them a little tap on the shoulder and thank them very much for their time <laughs> and that's true for the question and answer period as well sometimes yeah. oh, it's more yeah, of a vent in an answer period it is and then you get some people all the time and it's it's at any type of a conference you get some people really like to hear themselves ask questions and they're kind of trying to dominate the conversation and we'll get people, you know, I've had it happen here in the past where the same person has come up to the microphone four or five times with a question. And so now, you know, I just at the beginning just say, look, folks, try and keep your, come up with one good question, respect everybody and let everybody have a, have a shot at getting a question in there. But, and when it's time to wrap it up, you just, you know, you just say, we've got time for one more question and that's it. You might have 10 people standing at the microphone wanting to ask questions, but I think people understand we've, we've got to stay within the timelines. Now I have to hold you a little bit accountable. I, I told you yesterday that half of the time I'm laughing at you and some of the time I'm shaking my fist at you. How do you balance that <laughs> sense of humor but also not offending or do you care if you offend Oh people? gosh, I offend people. Uh, you know, and Deborah, I've really noticed it over the past five years. Of course, I've been doing it so long and uh, even this conference here, doing it like 15 years, you go back and look at the things that I was saying 15 years ago, I wouldn't dare. You know, I, I keep a track of my jokes and my lines and funny things that work on stage. I keep notes of those and I'll go back and I look at some of that stuff now and there's 90% of it that I, I wouldn't touch. And what was happening to me over the past, say, four or five years, I was starting to retract a little bit because I was, you know, taking shots 
And I don't, you know, I don't, I have to be careful how I say this, but I call it the TikTok crowd. It was kind of, you know, I'd get them inflamed a little bit. And it seemed to be the really young people who maybe didn't know me, didn't understand my sense of humor and my personality. And uh, they would just get offended at anything. And I think that that pendulum now is starting to swing now where people realize it's just a little, you know, got a little too crazy and we just got to start swinging back to where it's just humor it's just comedy it's just fun i never ever ever say anything to intentionally offend or upset anybody 95 percent of my comedy is innuendo and if you're getting offended it's because of how you're translating what i'm saying in between your ears you know (laughs) yeah so you i have to let you go right away here what are you looking forward to today uh, just the whole day. I'm really looking forward to the auction tonight. That's, mm-hmm. you know, we wrap up with the big banquet tonight and we have a fundraising auction and raising money for a couple of great causes here. Uh, Kids Sport and Spirit North. And those are two organizations that raise money and put together an army of volunteers to get sport equipment for uh, young kids that can't afford to play sports, either because of the cost of equipment or registration fees or entry fees. So a couple of great causes. And of course, with Mark Messier being here yesterday, he knew those organizations well. So in lieu of speaker gifts this year, we're giving donations to that cause. And that's where I think uh, most of the money will be going here tonight from the auction. So it'll be a lot of fun. Well, I hope you do have a lot of fun. And I'm, in, I'm excited to watch it myself. Danny Hooper, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Deborah. Appreciate it. And uh, you keep up your good work because it's just so nice to see somebody young like yourself doing so well and, uh, and making a difference out oh, there. Cheers, keep spreading the word. Thank you. Zimbro is making all our podcasts possible here at the Alberta Beef Industry Conference. To learn more about Zimbro Performance Minerals, visit zimbro.com.